Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. The title that I, the working title I came out up with today is uh, Jesus, Money, and Me. Because those are typically three things that we like to keep separate. And I would argue that uh, how we work these together in our lives says a whole lot more about our relationship with God, our relationship with money, uh, how we walk through life. And and when we dive into this, it's going to start twinging and moving on areas that uh, I think we all need to look at from time to time. But as we do that, I... um, I want to start with some scriptures. If you have your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 7, Luke 19, and Matthew 25. So we're going to read through all of these, but if you want to follow along, which is great to do in our, uh, in our Bibles, um, Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 7, Luke 19, and Matthew 25. And here's where it begins. Joshua chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. Keith's got it up here on the screen for me. It says, And the city that all that's in it should be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted uh, them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Okay, But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So I should give you a little bit of context of where this scripture comes from. When the children of Israel are going into the promised land, they're about to receive all that God has for them. When they're about to step out of a wilderness experience into an experience of this is God's plan for health, growth, prosperity, future, flourishing for your family. There were some things that needed to happen. And Jericho was the first city that they went after. But because Jericho was the first, it belonged to God. And and this isn't a new thing throughout the Bible. All things in in the Old Testament and the the people of Israel, the firstborn sons, the the firstborn of, of the flocks, the first of your crops, it belonged to God. And so, you know, you redeemed those things with different offerings, different tithes, stuff like that. But when even when it came to stepping into the promise of God, God said, hey, First things first, the first belongs to me. And that was Jericho. So Jericho was a city that everything that came out of Jericho was to either be destroyed and done away with, or the wealth, the silver, the gold, those things, they were brought into the house of the Lord because it was for that purpose. But there was a warning here because there is a temptation in the heart of man to say, well, uh, I know God said it's his, but sometimes I want what's God's. And God says, I want what's mine. And so we're in Joshua chapter 6, and then you go into Joshua chapter 7, and what has happened uh, after Jericho has been defeated, they're about to go up to the second city, which is Ai, and uh, as they go up to that city, they're like, well, Jericho was pretty easy. The Lord was with us. Let's send a few thousand men of the army. Let's not worry about it. 
but they didn't realize something had happened inside the hearts of the people inside of the camp. And Joshua 7.1 starts like this, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Now, I've always looked at the scripture. I'm like, that's kind of weird and that's kind of unfair because Achan broke faith with the Lord. But it says the people broke faith with the Lord. And let's not build a huge theology on this, but I wonder how much at times we see struggle and we see uh, things not coming together in the house of God, the family of God, because we don't in unity do our part with what God is asking. Guys, our personal decisions affect other people. And sometimes we're like, no, 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 that's just me and God. And and in this situation, it affected the entire nation. And, and, you know, it might not be so overt at times, but the things that we hide in our hearts and that we hold on to and we don't deal with can actually affect the relationships around us, the family that God has put us in, both naturally and spiritually. And we have to be aware of that. So Achan uh, breaks faith, but it says the people of God broke faith and uh, they took of the devoted things. So verse 19 and 20, Joshua goes on this investigation. He's like, God, why did we get uh, beaten by this little small town of AI? Why, why was this such an embarrassment for us? And God says, well, there's some things you got to deal with so you can move forward in strength and you can do the things that I've called you to do. And so they start going down. Uh, they cast lots in the Bible, which it was an interesting way of like, deciding between this person and that, and the lot falls to Achan's family. And verse 19 says this, says, Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Because Joshua knows that when things remain hidden, there cannot be freedom. When things remain hidden, there cannot be total victory. There will always be a snare or a pullback in our lives. And so verse 20 says this, it says, and Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. Verse 21, which I probably didn't tell Keith to put in. Um, it says, I saw among the devoted things this garment that was just so super fly and cool, I had to have it for myself, and some gold and some silver, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound, he said this, I wanted them so much that I took them and they are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with a silver buried deeper than the rest. Like this wasn't just like hide things. This was like hide one level. And if that gets found out, hide something deeper because there was such a pull in his heart that I want something for me. And, and he confesses and, uh, you know, I thank the Lord. Uh, for Achan, it didn't turn out so well. They stoned him uh, and his tent and all the things, and the valley became known as the Valley of Trouble from that day forward, um, and that was the way of honoring God there, but the Lord, I would say, in the principle today is when there are things in our heart, if we keep pushing them down and not bring them to the surface, and money becomes a big part of this, um, it's very hard for us to move forward in peace, strength, and the victory that God wants us to have in life. Because I don't know if, I, I, if you believe me on this, because I'm not a big, like, prosperity preacher, but God does want you to prosper and do well in life. Like, it's a total biblical principle. Now, we're not talking uh, strictly about money. So sometimes I think a better word we could use as preachers is that God wants you to flourish, 
Flourishing looks a whole lot different than uh, dollars in your bank account and cars and toys and vacations. Flourishing has to do with so many areas of life, but money becomes a very important part of that because our relationship with God, with money, uh, and Jesus uh, is a huge thing. So let's jump all the way over to Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, I talked about this a little a while ago, the last time I preached, um, which feels like forever, but I only missed like one Sunday, but I think it was three weeks since I preached. And in Luke chapter 19, we see the story of Zacchaeus, and, and there were some key things in there. It says, when Jesus entered Jericho, he was, as, he, as he was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, uh, who was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, this goes to show me that God comes to people of all uh, tribes, tongues, economics, social classes, <clears throat> because Jesus cares about the heart of people. But then you jump to verse 8 uh, in, in this passage, and it says this. It says, And Zacchaeus stood, and he said to the Lord, uh, behold, the Lord, the half of my, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And, and people were like, well, yeah, like he came to save Zacchaeus because he was such a bad person. The, the religious leaders, the people saw him as this uh, so far from God, this rich tax collector. No, no, Jesus says, look, uh, behold, salvation's come because he said, as soon as Zacchaeus, because he was defined by this, he was rich, he was influential. And when he would release his finances, Jesus knew he had his heart. And each of us have areas in our life that we're trying to work through, and, and, and really God is after our heart, and these areas play into it. But our relationship to Jesus, to money, to, to people, all of these things, uh, sometimes I think we don't realize how much they're actually affecting, leading, guiding, and shaping us as we think. And so you have Achan had to deal with his heart. Zacchaeus was able to see his heart transformed. Uh, and then we go to Matthew chapter 25. And then I want to read this parable, which we've probably heard before if you're in church for any time. And then I want to share three things with you today to get us going in this series. And that's it. And you're like, that means nothing. Three things to you could be three things and 27 sub things. But it's not. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 27 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. That's an interesting thing. Sometimes we're like, how come other people somehow have more things happen? They're better with these things. God knows the abilities he's given you, and honestly... Some of us could not handle the money that other people could handle just based on the gifting that's in us. And that's not a life's unfair thing. That's a natural gifts, talent, ability. But God is still looking for the heart in that. Anyways, then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant who uh, with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. 
The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now we'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant who had two bags received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate this together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man and harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, so I was afraid. There's the key. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I'd harvest crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in a bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. We're going to end there. And in all of these things, I felt today as we opened this series on Jesus, money, and me, I want to talk about tithing, giving, finances, family, business, and our hearts. Because I think all of these things are so closely connected to our walk with Jesus. Josh's County, I'm not doing all those today. I'm doing that over three weeks. And I think sometimes some of us, we live in life and we're like, you have an okay relationship with Jesus, but you have a frustrating relationship with money. And you're like, well, I'd have to have money to have a relationship with money. So, you know, there's that. And then, uh, you know, one, one pastor, when I was younger, I heard him preaching. He said, you know, all my, my dad's business friends tell me that money can't buy you happiness. And he said, if I, for one, I'd like to try. Like, Lord, just let me try. Because, I, I mean, I, I'll believe your word, but at least let me try. It might be more fun to try and see what a little bit of money could do. But the reality is, is in our lives and where we're at and the things we're working through, stewardship in our heart becomes more important to God uh, than uh, what we have or what we feel we don't have because he is working in us. And can I tell you, no matter what social status you think you're in in life or maybe you've been struggling right now, that, has, that is not an indicator or not of whether God cares for you. It's simply a chance for you to trust him, love him, walk with him, see him do something great in your life because God cares about you in every detail of your life. This is why God says, you know, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet if one of them falls to the ground, I'm aware of it. Like he is totally aware of what you feel, what you're facing, and he cares. It does not go beyond his sight, beyond what he sees. And and, and we have to start looking at it as about, well, how is this fair or that fair? Let's get that out the window and say, God, how can I work with what you've given me and trust you to see my life flourish because God's plans for you are good and they're great and he wants to move you forward in that. And, and so some of us were like, okay, it's, it's me and Jesus, but it's me and my money. It's like, pastor, let's separate church and state here. You know? But I would say your relationship with your money tells you more about your relationship with Jesus than you think. My relationship with Jesus will challenge my relationship with my money, my house, how I use those things more than I think. And the character that God's working on in the inside of us begins to show. And so I want to encourage you, let's, 
walk through this and talk about principles, God's plan, his purpose for our money so we can be those who walk in peace with God and flourish as the people of God and that we can be generous to others because I think that is the heart of God in all of this. But I would say today what I want to lean on is that it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Now, any of you who have to go pick up your kids after church, you can look for my oldest daughter. She's helping in kids today. And you can say, your dad owes you five bucks because I'm telling a story about her. And Brandy promises them money if I tell stories about them. So you can all tell her and then she'll be like, she'll be excited she's getting five bucks. But at 17, she'll be like, oh my gosh, what story did you tell about me, dad? Well, when Sienna was about three years old, um, we had kind of started, you know, always wanting to talk about money and, and how we use things because at any age, you're trying to build a trust. You know, you don't want kids to have to worry about things, but you want them to understand, like, why you can do things sometimes and not other times. And so Brandy's in Costco with uh, Sienna, and they're looking at some things. And uh, grandparents ruin kids for this sometimes because it was like... Not my parents, they're here. Uh, Brandy's mom, she's in Arizona, I won't listen to this. Um, every time they'd go out, Sienna would get a toy. Like it was just, and not just a toy, it'd be a toy and three dresses and a snack and other things. And so Brandy was out by herself this time and they're looking around and Sienna's like, I want that or I want this. And Brandy's like, no, not today, sweetheart. Like we just can't do that. Well, why? How come? This, like, this is what a three-year-old does. Why not? Well, because we have to spend our money on other things right now, and uh, we don't have money for that today. Well, what do you mean we don't have money for that? And so Brandy's trying to say, well, when dad goes to work and, and we get our money, we got to pay for our house, and so it stays warm, and our food. And so sometimes when we do that, we got to say, well, we can't get a toy right now because we have to get those things right now. And she goes, a little confused. She's like, oh. And so Brandy's like, so we just don't have money for that today. She goes, oh. So now we need grandma's money. <laughs> oh, but the heart of a child that says, oh, I know what relationship can provide for me. But I think as Christians, so often we're dealing with our finances, our lives, the things that we're going through, and, and, and we feel like we're running short. We feel like we're running tight. So we're trying to do it all on our own, all this stuff. And yet we're not looking to our Heavenly Father saying, Lord, I need you right now. But I would also say some of us have a hard time trusting him because we haven't honored him in what he has asked for first. So we're like, oh, God, I really don't want to ask him to help in this situation because I haven't given in a while or I haven't honored him in my finances. And then you kind of feel like a fraud. And this morning, I want us to know three things. The first thing I want us to know is this, is that it's more about our hearts than we know. When it comes to Jesus, money, and me, it's more about our hearts than we will ever know. Because the, the reason money becomes so hard for us is because we attach ourselves to things. And when you get into the New Testament and, and Peter and John are saying, little children, keep yourself from idols. Watch yourself on this. They knew that there's a snare in the human heart and that stuff and relationships and people and financial gain and influence can tend to pull us. And any time in the Old Testament, it pulled on the heart of a king. It pulled on a leader. It pulled them away from God. 
And so when we talk about these things, what I really want to frame moving into it is that we need to make sure we're saying, Lord, help me have your heart and understand your plan for me so I can handle these things properly. Because it will be hard on your heart if you don't understand the heart of God towards you, towards your family, towards your finances. But when you hide things in your heart and you're not honest with God, whether it be like Achan You limit yourself from the way you walk with God and the freedom you're supposed to have in this area of life. And I'm like, how can I ever feel free in my financial situation when it just never seems like I can catch up or catch a break or this or that? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've learned over the years, you can live free in that because you realize that your soul sufficiency and source is Jesus and it's not the stuff. But man, if you're trying to live out this existence week to week, month to month, paycheck to paycheck, without the realization that your source is your heavenly father, not your job, all those things. Now, we're going to talk about being wise, being good stewards, how we work with that stuff. Uh, uh, you know, a great mentor in our lives, uh, I was reading one of my books, and one of my former pastors wrote a little side note in a teaching on this. Uh, the late A.G. Forsyth, Pastor Al Forsyth, uh, planted the church that Brandy and I first pastored in. Uh, he passed away before I got to meet him. Brandy knew him. He said this. He said, so many Christians are living by faith. and goes, when faith without works is debt. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't get off your butt and go to work, guess what? It doesn't work out very well for you. And we, 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 so we, we want to be a people of faith and trust, but we also got to be a people of wisdom, honor, and stewardship in the things that God has given us. And so we have to pull these things together. But if we don't get our hearts right first, it's very difficult. And that's why I find it really interesting that when it comes to Zacchaeus, the Lord says, salvation's come to this house. Zacchaeus didn't pray the prayer, and Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart, and I give you everything. But when Zacchaeus was saying, I'll give back where I've defrauded, and I will repay people, and I will be be generous. Jesus knew, man, this guy's changed. He's going to be giving out where he was taking as much as he could off the top, where he was making it all about him, and his life has now become about, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Jesus knew his heart has changed, and I have his heart, and I know I can trust him with that. And it's more about our heart than we think when it comes to money and finances. And I think the things that we hide in our heart and we hold into, onto in our hearts, I don't want to, uh, you know, I want to bring some things to light. I don't want to discourage you. But if you really struggle with trusting God, especially in tithes and offerings and giving, I don't need to tell you biblical, scriptural thing time after time. I need to ask you to say, Lord, why is this so difficult for my heart? Because that is a heart thing between you and the Lord that you need to let him speak to you about. Because I just want to warn you that things that latch into your heart actually can cause you to walk in a way that is not how you're called to walk with your Savior. I look at people in the Old Testament, kings of the Old Testament. Uh, the thing that took Solomon away, the crazy thing was it wasn't his wealth. Uh, it was the ladies, but it was here's the thing. The gold, the glory, and the girls will get you every time if it's not submitted to God. Like, man, you got to know that. Like, there is, a, there is a fight for your heart, your emotional strings, especially in the area of finances, women, relationships, 
and power and influence, those things are three of the quickest things that can turn your heart from honoring God. And we got to beware. we got to watch our hearts. Gideon. We forget this story about Gideon very often where he goes to battle, he tears down the altars of Baal, he does it with the 300 men, uh, he, he, he has this great victory, all this stuff, and they say, Gideon, do you want to be our ruler and all this stuff? He said, no, no, like he appoints different judges and stuff, but he says this, and it was a snare to him. Each one of you give me a gold earring, like, and, and I'll make for myself like this coat, this ephod, And it says it became a great snare to him. And what Gideon started looking at was a symbol of his victory, the power, the influence that he gained. And the Lord's like, there's a reason we brought it down to 300 soldiers. Gideon, this was never about you. But if you start setting up ephods, things that tell you, look what I did, and I earned this, and we forget that our heart is always connected to a God who is moving us forward, it will snare you and trap you. And so what we need to know is that it's more about our hearts than we think, and one of the biggest things for us to do is to learn to get our heart right in this area. Second thing I want you to know, everyone say number two. It's more about trust than we actually know. When it comes to Jesus, money, and me, It's more about trust than we know. We might think we're just trying to be wise. We just might think we're trying to protect our families. We might think that we're trying to do the right thing. But the heart that comes out when we withhold from God and we don't honor him in our finances is that we don't trust him. I trust him for salvation, but I don't trust him with my day-to-day and my month-to-month. And and, and trust is a funny thing because the Bible has so many principles about sowing and reaping and giving and trusting God and all those things, yet we struggle with it. Some people are so good at it. The Bible says that they have a gift of giving. The Bible says there are some that God has given the ability to create wealth, and when their hearts are right, it causes people to flourish, the church to flourish, people who don't know God to flourish. And God trusts people with that because they trust him, and they are open-handed, and they release. And some of us, we think, oh, I would be more that way if I had more. No, you won't, because if you can't trust him now, it'll be more difficult to trust him then. Every time you get a raise and that tithe number goes up, It is a trust issue. If you tithe, if you believe in giving God what's his. And when it comes to trust in our hearts and in our lives, we got to trust that God's going to take care of us. And you know what? The funny thing is, is like I, when I was younger, um, I had to really adjust my my faith that if we're doing the things that God's called us to do, he's going to take care of us. And uh, Brandy is famous for this with... um, uh, young moms, and uh, there was a season in our life that she just, there would be ladies on the fringe, and their husbands not walking with God, or things like that, and trying to raise kids, and like, I'd come home, and our house would be a disaster, not because of Brandy, because there would be like three other young families there, and kids tearing everything apart, and then Brandy would say to me, like, hon, I I went to the grocery store and I spent like 50 extra dollars on groceries so I could feed everyone because they're all here and I didn't want to have to drive home with hungry kids and all this stuff. And at first I was kind of like, uh. and God, I had to wrestle with that in my heart in the early days because the truth is, is like, 
what we say now, like I tell Brandon, he's like, if we're doing things to bless people and be generous, I don't care what you spend on that. Uh, partially because I trust my wife and she is way more frugal than I am on things. And, and, but the thing is, like, if we're blessing people and, and we're doing what God's called us to, I just have to not worry about it. But, you know, the real wrestling when I was young, probably in my early 20s, was, well, I was so worried because I knew I spent $50 on coffee that week. Well, God, I don't know, should we spend this money? And then the Holy Spirit's like, well, should you spend that money? Because this is probably a better use of that money. And then you're like, oh, okay, Lord, we're going to go there and we're going to walk through those very personal things. It's like, so I have to be a good steward and trust God when he opens the door and calls us to do things. And, and it's this trust issue between me and my relationship with God. And, and so when we go through our lives, sometimes what we're saying when we're saying, God, I don't know what to do with this or God, can I give, uh, can I afford to give? I, I would say in my life, I can't afford not to give because I can't afford to stop trusting Jesus and losing peace of heart and mind knowing that I've honored God with the things I said I would honor him with. Uh, because their tithing is one thing and offerings are another. If you have something when it's an offering and it's a sacrificial gift over and above, God won't ask you to give something you don't have or you aren't choosing to do. And let's just jump to New Testament. I'm not, I didn't want to go here today, but Ananias and Sapphira, uh, it brought problem when they lied about it. Like, and, and the apostles were like, you didn't have to give any of this to God. Like nobody bound your hands on that. But if you said you were going to do something for the Lord, honor him in it. Because you have to trust the Lord. And, and so when it comes to Jesus, money, and me, it's more about our heart than we know. It's more about trust than we know. And the last thing I would say is this. It's more about relationship than we know. Can I have the band come back up, please? The reason I read, oh, and I'm going to end this strong, and I'm going to pray, and I would love to do Jehovah. Just, there you go. Everyone, there you go. See, Emily, just following the leading of the Lord, and we're all on the same page. The reason I read the parable in Matthew chapter 25 was because in the parable of the talents, the story, I think, is not about how, look how good first servant is, look how good second servant is, poor third guy, got the short end of the stick, he only got one bag of silver. The guy was afraid, Jesus, have some grace, the guy was afraid. I think the real issue in this story was he didn't have the relationship that the other two had with the master. The first two felt that they could take risk and they could do things with that money and they could win or lose, come back to the master and say, this is what I tried, this is what I did. And they trusted their master and they knew who he was because he trusted them enough with that money. But for the guy who hid it, the phrase that rings out to me over and over again in this story is when the master says, if you had known me, you would have known at least just putting it in the bank for interest would have been better than this. And I wonder today, how often when we approach a subject like this, 
We're like, oh, here we go again. The pastor's going to preach on tithing and offerings and good stewardship. And we'll talk about all those things. But I wanted to start here because how often do we forget that it's more about our hearts than we ever let on? And the first approach to kingdom finances is setting our hearts right before the Lord. It's more about trust than we'll ever know. And it's more about our relationship with God than we'll ever know. How you handle any area of life that is yours or that can be kept secret will ultimately reflect the depth of the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. And your Heavenly Father loves you so much that He will come to you at times and He will tap on your shoulder and say, this is hurting our relationship because you don't know how to trust me because we haven't worked this out. This is hurting our relationship because I got things for you to do, but I can't trust you to do them because you haven't trusted me in this area. And we come back to this place where we realize it's about relationship. And I just want to encourage us as we make our way into a series like this is, can we get back to a place in our relationship with God where we know our heavenly Father? That God's plan for you is to flourish and prosper you and your family. His plan for us as a church here in Parkland County is to flourish and prosper the community around us. I dream of the day that the mortgage is gone and that money gets used for reaching our community and doing those things that's been in our DNA and in our heart. And there is stewardship and there are things to take care of. But there is a release that God wants to bring so we can be those that release, open-handedly give and bless people so they could see the goodness of God. But we got to make sure we're pursuing that deep relationship with our Heavenly Father so we know Him. One of the most difficult seasons for Brandy and I financially was about 10 years ago this year. 10 years ago, about this time, I resigned my position at a church where I had been the youth and associate pastor for almost 10 years. I was very well taken care of. I worked so much and I laid that all down. And then the Lord speaks to my wife and I thought we'd be moving too and I felt the Lord tell me you should sell your house and I'm like, Lord, I just quit my job. If you want me to sell my house, you need to tell Brandy first. A week later, she says, "Hun, if we believe God's moving us somewhere, should we sell our house ahead of time? Okay, Lord. We sold our house literally like six to eight weeks before the market crashed. Put all of our equity in the bank. And thankfully, because of the graciousness of my mom and dad, we said, can we come live with you for a month or two till we figure things out, eat your food, live in your house for free? And what we thought would be three months turned into 14. With Mimi and Papa and three kids and Jeremy and Brandy living in the basement. And it was the best of times and the trying of times when I'm looking one day, I'm like, like not relationally, our family's great, but like, I'm like, some days I got full faith, God's bringing the right job, we'll be out of this. But like around like month three or four, I'm like, okay, Lord, anytime. And for Brandy and I, like it was, a, it was a thing. Every time we had that equity in the bank, we'd have to pull a little bit out because we needed something for the kids or whatever. It kind of hurt our heart to be like, God, like don't take away from this. 
because you blessed us without worked hard for. And I remember the day the Lord's like, well, it's kind of like Joseph where there was the years of plenty and years of family, famine, that when there's stuff there, it's there to use in that time and I have to trust God with it. But that's hard. Because in that 14 months, I made $12,500 for a family of five. <laughs> and without the grace of my parents, uh, yeah, we would not have made it through that season. And yet, that constant reminder in my relationship with God, are you my source or is what's in the bank our source? Because then he moved us to the lower mainland and that nice little nest egg of equity we thought we had meant absolutely nothing in Vancouver. But he opened the door, we got into a house, we were able to live there and God sustained us through that season. And I think if anything that that season taught me was I better be in a good place in my heart with my heavenly father. I have to remind myself that I can trust him and I have to remind myself that this life that I live because I said, Jesus, I'll follow you, I'll do what you say, I'll go where you call me, I'll be generous to those who you ask me to, I'll open my hands when you ask. And uh, just so you know, giving on the spiritual gifts test probably falls in the bottom like three for me. But I trust that obedience outweighs that. So when the Lord asks, as hard as it is, I'm saying, God, I, I need to know who you are and I need to trust you, so I'm gonna honor. And so as we stand this morning, I just wanna pray over us. I wanna pray, let's all stand. I wanna pray this. When it comes to Jesus, money, and me, no altar call with debit machines at the altar or anything like that. I pray this, and, and, and I want us to pray this. Lord, would you help us keep our hearts right? Would you help us to trust you? And would you help us to stay close in relationship? Because when the distance happens in any area of our life, and there's broken relationship in any of our area of our life between us and our Heavenly Father, that's the place we can get trapped. And so my prayer is that over the next two weeks, next Sunday, is that as we're asking God this and we're doing this, we would find a new freedom and a joy and a peace and a security knowing that if we walk by God's principles and we understand his power and how much he cares about us, we can honor him these things and we will be way better off because of it. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you are with us, that you are for us, that you care about every area of our life. And God, you call us in the areas and matters of heart issues so we can be honest with you. So Lord, I just pray right now for those of us that struggle in the areas of our heart, maybe there have been hidden things. Lord, would you bring those to the surface right now that we would be able to share that with someone, break the power that it holds over us so we can walk more holy and more... Uh, truthfully and peacefully with you, God. Lord, in the areas where we've lacked trust for what you can do in our lives and how you say you will take care of us, I pray that you would speak faith into us once again, that you would speak your will and your plan and your purpose into us. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would realize all of these areas can be properly walked out and responded to in our lives when we understand the relationship that you want to have with us. 
Jesus, we don't want our lives just to be about stuff and money and certain things. God, I pray that as believers, we would make our lives about our relationship we have with our Heavenly Father and everything else flows out of that. Because that's going to bring true freedom. That's going to bring the generosity you want. That's going to bring the life that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.